Father. Father, we thank you this morning, Lord, that we can look to you. We can see victory, Lord. And we know, Lord, that the battle is yours. And Father, we just turn everything over to you this morning, Father God, as we stand here and as we stand in your presence. And Lord, as we just thank you for your word and the anointing on your word and we praise you father god for that we thank you lord jesus that you would lead god and direct us this morning and lord that the words i speak be the words that you would have me to speak lord and that our lives would be changed father and we just thank you and give you all the praise in jesus name amen hallelujah praise the lord you might be you may be seated you know last week we started on abundant life and um we're going to finish it up this morning. And I, I am just going to back up just a little bit to kind of give you a little bit of review. We, you know, we talked about, one, I'm going to back up to, um, it says abundant life, abundant living is a life that is filled with good positive things. And it can, it can exist and it does exist when we um, Immerse ourselves in Jesus and in his word. Galatians 5, and 23 says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. In other words, when you're doing those things and when you allow the Spirit of God to work in your life and manifest those things in your life, there's really no law against the good things like that. So we have those things operating in, in our lives. And, the, the, you know, in James 1.17, the word says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. So we need to be in pursuit of that, that abundant life. Like, as I said last week, it's not all about money and having all these things, and that's okay, but that's not what the abundant life is all about. And so this morning, I'm going to start with this statement. Wealth, power, status, and worldly pleasure have nothing to do with living the abundant life. And some people think that's what the abundant life is, and it's not. It is a part of it, can be a part of it, and it's nothing wrong with having certain things, but that's not what abundant living is because those are temporal physical, natural things that you can have today and they're gone tomorrow. And if that's what you're depending on, your, your, your peace and your joy, and if you're depending on that for your peace and your joy, then you won't have peace and joy. Not all the time. You, if you only have it when that's happening. And I wanted to... Um, say this about... this. I didn't say this last week, but... You know, we, we, when we look at, um, in John 10, 10, it says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come to give you abundant life. You know, when we think about that, um, we think about immediately Satan's come to steal, kill, and destroy. And yes, that's true, but Jesus wasn't talking about that. If you go back into chapter 9, what had happened, and this was like a continuation. I read some, some of the commentaries that say that there probably should have been no separation in that. 
Because what's happened is Jesus healed a blind man, and the Pharisees got really upset about it. So they came against Jesus, and they're like, you, and, and it was because he healed him on the Sabbath day. So you're breaking the laws, and you're healing him on the Sabbath day. And so they came against Jesus, and, and there was this big controversy, this big back and forth, back and forth. And, um, and then in chapter 10, Jesus is continuing on, and he's speaking to the Pharisees. And I want to just read um, those first verses in chapter 10 to you. It said, Jesus said to the Pharisees. So he's talking to the Pharisees now. He says, listen to this eternal truth. The person who sneaks over the wall to enter into the sheep pen rather than coming through the gate reveals himself as a thief coming to steal. And see, if, you, if the gate's closed and you come over the wall... You're not, you know, in other words, if you got a key to the gate, you're not going to do that, right? And so he's saying they come to steal. And so he's speaking to the Pharisees. He says, but the true shepherd walks right up to the gate, and because the gatekeeper knows who he is, he opens the gate to let him in, and the sheep recognize the voice of the true shepherd, for he calls his own by name and leads them out. For they belong to him, and when he has brought out all his sheep, he walks ahead of them, and they will follow him. For they are familiar with his voice. But they will run away from strangers and never follow them because they know it's the voice of a stranger. So Jesus, and it says, it goes on to say, Jesus told Pharisees this parable, even though they didn't understand a word of what he meant. It was he told them this, but they didn't understand what he was talking about. But he was talking about them. And, he's begin, and then he continues on in verse 7. He says, I speak to you eternal truth. I am the gate for the flock. All those who broke in before me are thieves who came to steal, but the shepherd never listened to them. I am the gateway. The sheep never listened to them, excuse me. I am the gateway to enter through, through me is to experience life, freedom, and satisfaction. A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I have come to you to give you everything in abundance, more than you expected, life in its fullness, until you overflow. He says, I am the good shepherd who lays down my life as a sacrifice for the sheep. But the worker who serves only for wages is not a real shepherd. But he has no heart for the sheep. He will run away and abandon them when he sees the wolf coming. And then the wolf mauls the sheep, drags them off, and scatters them. So Jesus is making a statement. He said, I'm the only, I'm the real good shepherd. And you guys have tried to be a shepherd. But all you wanted to do was to Basically, I'll say this way. You just wanted gain. You wanted prestige. You wanted to be the person with the title beside your name. You know, that happens in, in life. Have you ever worked for somebody that that's all they want is that title beside their name and you wish you didn't have to work for them? And, you know, you've probably had bad people in your life, bad leaders, right? And you've had good leaders. And you remember the, you have good memories of the good leaders, and bad memories of the bad leaders. And I've had both in my life. And I've had some that have really, really been instrumental in my life. You know, one in particular that stood behind me whenever I made decisions. As long as I was right. Even when the other ones did not like the decisions I made. And came to him and said, you know, this is, this is wrong. We don't like this decision. And he's like. 
he would come to me and say, is this, just tell me what happened. I'd tell him, okay, good. And then he'd stand behind me. So, you know, we have those. So I said wealth, power, status, and worldly pressure have nothing to do with living the abundant life. And they don't. It's not because you have that does not mean you have the abundant life that Christ is talking about here. I made a statement last week. I'll make it again this week. It says, luck is the religion of the lazy. If you're just depending on luck, you're, I can say it this way, you're out of luck. <laughs> if you're just depending on luck. Oh, well, maybe I'll win the lottery. Maybe this will happen. Maybe that'll happen. Maybe that'll happen. Well, some people live their whole life hoping that something like that will happen. And there's other things you can do. And, you know, so many people, they assume that the abundant life depends on circumstances or fate or luck or their bank account or their status in life or their health. But it, it doesn't. It's dependent on Jesus Christ. Those of us who are Christians, we should know that. We should know that he is the one that takes care of us. And we're going to talk about some things about abundant life. It's not necessarily a life of comfort and ease. And some of this is a little bit of review, but... You know, sometimes we just go through the fire in order to melt away all the bad stuff. In other words, when we go through the fire, it really, when Jesus said you'll have trials, it really kind of lets you know where you're at. Let's other people know where you're at. When you go through that fire and you go through that trial, this is how God refines us. It's like you're refining gold. They put heat to it and impurities rise to the top. And, the guy, and they scoop it off and they get rid of it. So that's what needs to happen to us when we do go through the fire. We need to realize that things are going to surface. And we need to be the ones that says, I, I got to get rid of that. I got to get rid of that. You know, James 1, 2, James said this. He said, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, it's when you face trials of many kinds. Well, what kind of statement is that? I'm going to be happy and I'm going to have joy because <laughs> I'm going through a trial. Well, if we come out the other side like we're supposed to, if we realize the impurities that pop up in our life, yes, because we know we can start putting those behind us and we can start changing. The abundant life is also is not dependent on outside circumstances. It's not as important what happens to you is, as it is in a reporter. It is an importance of how you respond to it. You know, what hap what, how do you respond when things happen to you that are bad or that are displeasing or that not what you thought? How do you respond to that? You know, if, you, if you're walking where you ought to be walking and if you're trusting in God, you say, well, you know what, I... I don't like what's going on, but I know that I'm going to go through it and I'm going to learn something through it and I'm going to come out the other side and I'm going to be victorious. That's why that song says, I'll see a victory. You can see the victory ahead of time. So we need to realize that because, you know, some of the most accomplished men and the greatest men in our country, you know, they were raised in poverty. They had extreme hardships. They had a hard time getting to where they're at. But if they had looked at it like, well, I'll almost never be able to do it because nothing's going to happen good, well, they pressed through it. Jesus pressed through his circumstances. Um, all down through, Peter, Paul, John, all of them, they pressed through some hard circumstances. And they came to, as Paul did, 
Paul came to the satisfaction in the joy in his life is the fact that I've accomplished what I'm supposed to accomplish. I've fought the good fight. I've done what I'm supposed to do, and now it's time for me to go on. That's, an, that's abundant life. That's having a life that you're satisfied with, right? Not one that you just say, well. And another thing that, it's, that abundant life, it's not glamorous, flashy, or outwardly impressive. You know, sometimes we think that those people who are, have all the stuff, they're flashy, they're, they impress you by what they see. But when you get right down into them, look at how many people that have all that and they end up taking their lives or, or whatever because they're really not happy inside. They really don't have that peace. They really don't have the shepherd taking care of them. You know, um, we can kind of compare the abundant life. It's not, it, in, in Matthew 7, Jesus talked about a narrow gate, right? The path is narrow, it's not wide. So, it, the abundant life is kind of like that. It's not just this big wide thing, but you got to get to the right place. And when you do, you walk in what God says, and you'll have that abundant life. You know why a lot of people don't do that? Because it takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of effort to take that narrow path, right? It takes a lot of courage when everybody else is going this path, and you take that narrow gate, and you take that narrow path. So having lots of money, having a lots of so-called friends that's not abundant life you know i've had friends in my life that i thought were really friends but when things got tough they hit the road when things got dangerous they i've had a couple times in my life when it got kind of dangerous and i look around and where were my friends they were there a minute ago but then they left because they didn't want to be Involved in what was getting ready to happen. Neither did I, but they disappeared. So what kind of friends is that? So it's not in all the bells and whistles and all the flashing lights. It's not in all that stuff. It's in what's on the inside. And you can walk in abundance without having the flashy stuff. That means you want, Jesus said he'd supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. So God's going to give you what you need. And I, and I believe more than enough so you can touch somebody else's life. And the abundant life is not necessarily, and probably I should say not likely, obtained quickly. Right? Salvation, on the other hand, is fairly quick. We, we, we acknowledge who Jesus is, we accept him, we believe him, and, and then we're saved. But the abundant life doesn't happen like that. Um, it's a process. And we can get very discouraged because some people make it sound like, well, you just get saved, you'll have the abundant life, and you'll be just, everything will be roses, but it won't necessarily. So you, it's a process. And what it is, it's, just, it's a process of maturing. It's a process of going through life and learning how to um, apply God's word in the situations that you come upon 
And, and then you begin to grow and mature. And then you begin to feel more like, hey, this is what the abundant life is about. It's about having peace when nobody else does. It's about having peace when nothing else is peaceful. You know, and it takes, some people it takes years. I think it takes your whole Christian walk. Because one day we'll finally be in that ultimate abundant life. But it takes, it takes time. You're not just, just going to get it overnight. Um, and some people accomplish, they, they're walking further in that abundant life than others because sometimes they had less baggage to get rid of than others. It's kind of like if, if I'm 100 pounds overweight and I need to lose that 100 pounds, but I got some over here that's only 10 pounds overweight, who do you think is going to probably get to that point quickest? Probably the person that only likes, needs 10 pounds. And ladies, don't say anything. I know you say, you men can just lose weight easy. It's harder for us women. But either way, if, they lose, if, if I lose the 100 pounds, I still achieve my goal just like the guy with the 10 pounds. It just took me a little bit longer. All right? I had to go through a little more pain, a little more uh, discipline, maybe. See, sometimes we carry around a lot more spiritual baggage than somebody else. Maybe we've been burdened down with some bad teaching that told us we had to be sad all our life and we had to, you know, waller all our life or whatever. And it's just judgmental teaching and, and it brought us into a place where we had to get rid of that. That's not always easy. It's sometimes harder to lose that. But you know what? Good. Hopefully, in a few years, we'll all be a little older. Good Lord willing. Jesus doesn't come back. And we'll, have, we'll be a little further along on that walk of abundant life. See, I know some people probably saw this title and was like, man, we're going to learn. By the time we get these two parts done, we're going to be walking in abundant life. Like big time. We're going to have everything. But this, it's a process. It's a process that we all walk through our whole Christian life. But don't give up. Don't stop. And don't say, well, I, you know, I'm not as far along as, as, as Mike is. Well, you'll get there if you keep on going, keep on striving. So it's not necessarily and probably not most likely obtained quickly. It's not a a uh, uh, magic word that you say that gets you to that point. You know, you can you, you when you further you walk in abundant life, you you learn to have peace when, by all natural things, you shouldn't have peace. And you know, some people will look at you like, "Well, you not care." It's not that you don't care, but you got some peace down there that you know. You know what? It's going to be all right. God's going to come and he's going to touch my life. He has a purpose for me that never stops. See, God wants you to have abundant life. That's what Jesus said he came for. He came that you'd have abundant life. And you know what? God wants to give us good gifts, and that's a good gift, right? And Matthew 7 it also says if you know how to give good gifts to your children, 
How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? And that's uh, Matthew 7, 11. And Mark eleven twenty four 24 says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. So Jesus said, I've come to give you abundant life. Some says life to the full, life to overflowing. So Jesus has come that we have, we will have that abundant life, that we will have that life that's full of joy and peace. And don't, don't get bogged down in, well, I'm not happy today. That doesn't necessarily mean you don't have joy on the inside. There'll be times when there are things that are happening that aren't, that's not going to make you jump for joy, but the joy needs to still be on the inside of you. And then we have things that happen in our lives. This is one thing you need to do. You need to clearly understand that failure is an event. It's not a person. Yesterday has ended. That yesterday ended last night and today is your brand new day. There's always, you wake up to a brand new day. You might have a failure, but that doesn't mean that you're a failure. You know, you, you, you look through the, um, was it Benjamin Franklin? Or, and Alexander Graham Bell and people like that that tried and tried and tried. And, but they didn't stop until... Right? Edison didn't stop until the light bulb went bing, came on. Alexander Graham Bell did not stop until the phone worked. <laughs> so you can't stop. You got to keep going forward. And even though they failed, I was, I try to remember that it was 900 something times. I think it was Alexander Graham Bell. He failed before he got the phone invented. It's either him or Benjamin Franklin. I meant to look that up to be sure about it. But it was one of the two that. 900 and something times he failed trying to make the phone. It was a bell. 900 and something times. Think about it. How many of us would have made it 900 and some odd times? Would you? Would you kept on going, kept on trying, or would you like after about 20 go, you know what? Maybe somebody else can do this, but I'm done with it. I'm done trying. You just keep on. You know, we have to learn to have that kind of uh, spirit about us, that kind of drive about us, that we keep going no matter what happens. You know, yesterday, I cut down some trees. If you don't believe it, my wife, of course, made pictures and probably videos. You know how she is. I'm out there cutting trees down, and she's out there. I'm like, okay. But, and I was loading, my uncle has a tractor with a front end loader and I was loading the branches and stuff in it and he's got a pile that he keeps and every once in a while he burns them up. And so I'm going down, I filled it up. First time Peggy helped me fill the first one up, the second one I filled up, I'm going down the driveway and every bit of it dumps out in the road, in the driveway. I'm like, really? And so I could have said, you know what, I'm not doing this anymore, I'm just going to push it out of the driveway with that thing, lay it over on the side and be done. But no, I picked it up, even though it wasn't fun, filled it back up, took it to my uncle's and dumped it out. And then came back and got another load or two. But, you know, we can't stop. We can't ever, ever stop when things happen, when things don't go exactly the way we wanted them to go. I, um, you know, sometimes 
But when you're working on stuff, and you know, you got if, when people do that for a living, like like Don, you know, you, it, you come across something hard, you can just say, well, you know, I ain't doing this. Well, you got to keep digging, especially when somebody's depending on you <laughs> to get it done. You got to keep digging. You got to keep doing it. You know, and no matter what happens, you, if something happens, you could turn it around. It might take a while, but it's your choice to turn it around. It's your choice to turn around and walk the other. It's your choice to make it better. It's your choice to do that. You know what? And you can put that failure behind you. So you know what? That's happened at that particular time, but I'm way past that. I'm way past that. So, you know, God wants you to be successful. That's a part of that abundant life. He wants you to have success in everything that you do, everything you put your hand to. He wants you to have success in it. But you've got to trust in him, believe in him. You've got to know that he is there with you. And you know what? Begin to, you know, when things are going wrong, you say, well, what did I do wrong? Begin to pray and ask God, you know, what, what can I do to change this? How can I make this better? Well, see, the enemy will come against you, and he's like, you know what? You can't ever do it. And there are people that say, well, you know, you messed up. It's done. But no, you can, you can, you can come out of it. So you, you need to make sure you write this down. You know that success doesn't make you, and failure doesn't break you. Success doesn't make you, and failure doesn't break you. Just because you failed at something. It doesn't mean, well, I'm done. My life is over. I have failed. And some people take that attitude, and guess what happens? They're, they pretty much, that's where they're at. So what we have to do is be secure in who we are. You are secure in who you are, so you are at peace with God and in fellowship with with man what I'm saying is you be secure in who God has made you God has made you to do have purpose not what you make yourself it's what God has made you and sometimes we get on the path that we're trying to make something out of ourselves, and we realize that's not what I'm supposed to be doing so we have to change gears and start being who God created us to be you can't be I can't be you and you can't be me I can't do what you can do, and you can't do what I can do. We all have a purpose, and we all um, have to trust and be what God has called us to be. And maybe you have a certain slant towards this thing that you're doing, and that's because God's given you that, and you can go forward with it. Another thing, you need to, you understand that others can give you pleasure, but genuine happiness comes from doing things for others. It's not about give me, give me, help me, do this for me, and I'll be great, and I'll be fine. But you know what? You find satisfaction when you're able to do something for somebody else, when you're able to help somebody. You know, and, and, and I try to do as much as I can to help other people, and there's satisfaction in that. There's, there's abundance in that. That makes you feel like, wow, you know what? It feels so good to be able to help somebody. Whether it's financially, whether it's just you're able to go and and, and help them do something or, 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 you know, turn a wrench for them or just give them advice. I, my youngest sister calls me 
quite often. She lives in Lake Anna, Virginia. I think that's not the really name of the town, but she lives on Lake Anna. And she, she'll come across something and she'll give me a call. Now tell me about this. And it may be just advice so when somebody comes to fix whatever it is, if I know anything about it, she can say, well, wait a minute. Believe it or not, she called me a couple of weeks ago and said, I didn't call to ask you any questions. I just called to say hey. <laughs> that was good. But, you know, so, so doing things for others can make you feel that abundance and that abundance of life. Psalm 65, 11 says, You crown the year with a bountiful harvest. Even the hard pathways overflow with abundance. Even when you're going through a hard thing, it can overflow with abundance. God gives you what you need to go through that situation. And you're overflowing with abundance. You're overflowing with peace. You're overflowing with joy. You're overflowing with happiness. You're overflowing with all these things. Even those things aren't going right, even though you're going through a hard pathway. You know, even though when you get older and you start doing some things that don't come as easy as they used to, right? You go to do something, you say, well, you know, it used to be a lot easier 30 years ago. Changes over time. But that don't mean you stop. God gives you abundance in it. He gives you peace in it. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. See, it's like I was saying, you know, when you have abundance for every good work, there, there's reasons that God blesses you with things. Sometimes you have extra finances, say. And you're like, wow, I got this extra fine. What am I going to do that? Instead of thinking of, well, what can I buy me next? Think about why do I have this? You know what? And there are times in my I see why I have it. So I can bless somebody else. It may be to help somebody else in their path, in their hardship. And it might not just be that. It could be anything. It could be wisdom from God's word. When somebody comes to you, you're able to speak to them and say, yeah, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. This is what God says about your situation. That's the greatest thing you can tell somebody. It's what God says about their situation. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8 says, And God will generously, generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to what? Share with others. There goes that sharing. Now I will say, Use wisdom in your sharing with others. Have wisdom in it. And know that God has told you to help that person or to share with that other person. Some people you just know. You see where they're at. You just go and help them. But don't spill it all out on them when there may be somebody else that needs it. And there may be somebody else that's, that, that you're the answer to their prayer to help them out in a, in a hard, tough situation. I want to tell you a, few, a couple of things here about what an abundant life is. First of all, an abundant life is a yielded life. An abundant life is a life yielded to God, submitted to God, and say, you know what, Lord? I give it to you. 
Lord, I yield my life to you so I can be of service to others. I yield my thoughts. I yield my, uh, all my belongings. Everything I give to you. Everything I yield to you. And when you do that, you have an abundant life. Because let me say this. When you give everything to him, you yield everything. It's not yours to start with. So you realize that and you realize that it's not according to you, it's according to him. You yield your life to him. You say, Lord, every breath that I breathe is for you. Everything that I do is for you. Every part that I go is for you. I live my life yielded to you. I live my life yielding to what you call me to do. I yield my life to what you tell me to do. Step by step, as I take that step by step, I'm yielded to you. I'm listening to you. I'm hearing your voice. I'm walking towards you. I'm not trying to get an abundant life so I can have a bunch of things. I want to walk the way you called me to walk. I want to be what you've called me to do. And you said that you came to give me life and you give it to me more abundantly. And I believe that. Full of life yielded to him. Abundant life is a, is a service life. It's a life of service, not only serving God, but sometimes serving other people. And, and what I mean by that is helping other people. You know, I've seen people that could be doing many other things, but they've decided to live a life of service. Lord, I've decided that I'm going to serve you, and I'm going to walk in your path, the path that you have given me and the path that you've told me to walk in. So my abundant life is a life of service. An abundant life is a separated life. Separated, what do you mean? It's separated from the things of the world unto God. It's separated from just pleasing the world and pleasing myself. And, you know, but it's, it's separated. It's pulled apart. It's pulled out from the world and it's separated unto God. A separated life. And it doesn't mean, when you say separated life, it doesn't mean that you're not still living in the world. Jesus said, you're in the world, but you're not of it. In other words, you're living in the world, but you don't necessarily li you don't live by the worldly ways. You don't go the way of the world. The next one is the spirit, a uh, uh, spirit life. An abundant life is a spirit-filled life. You know, we need to be filled with the spirit. There's one time in Galatians where Paul said, don't be drunk with wine, but be what? Filled with the Spirit. We need to be filled with God's Spirit. We need to continually have an infill. We need to continually let God fill us up with his Spirit. That's who leads us, guides us, directs us in his word. How do we get that? Through the Spirit of God. Right? The word says through his Spirit. We are like Jesus said, I leave with you a spirit. I leave with you the spirit, the Holy Spirit, like a paraclete attached to you, and he's going to basically give you more wisdom and teach you more than I've taught you when I was here. He's going to be your continuation of maturity in life. He's going to continually mature you. The spirit of God is going to continually be your maturity. Amen? We got, we, we got to realize that we are spirit beings. 
We live in this body, but we are filled with God's spirit, and God has a purpose for us all. And then an abundant life is a mature life. What do you mean by that? Well, it means you mature in Christ as you live, and your abundance becomes more real to you, more relevant, more real and more relevant to other people. God gives us gifts. And I wanted to, um, in John 10, 10 again, I'm going to read that. And then I'm going to read some more in John in, in just a minute. But I have this, John 10, 10 in the, in the Passion Translation says it like this. A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. The Pharisees had only one thing in mind, and that was forwarding themselves. They wanted to be in charge, right? They wanted to, they, could, they were upset because Jesus was taking away, that away from them, taking that authority, in a, in a sense, away from them. Because Jesus was a true authority sent from God on earth, and he was the one that was showing them the way. And they did not like that because they'd been in charge all the time. And now here's this guy coming in who claims that he's from God and he's changing things. So Jesus is letting them know, I know what you're thinking. I know what you want to do. And you know, they're not the only ones hearing it. So all these other people are hearing it. And he's letting them know that these guys don't have your best interests at heart. They want to hold on to what they got. They want to hold on to that thing. They want, they have their best interests at heart. He says, but I have come to give you everything in abundance. That's peace, joy, love, happiness. You know, we've talked about Galatians, all these fruits of the spirit. He's giving you all of that. More than you expect. Life in its fullest until you overflow. See, this is the, 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 the greatest thing of abundance. When there's something in abundance and it overflows, well, guess what? It overflows and other people get to, to participate. So that abundance overflows into other people's lives. What Christ has given us, it overflows into other people's lives. If we are full of the Spirit, we're full of Him, we're full, we allow that abundance to overflow in us, we allow that abundant life to live inside of us and overflow to the fullest. See, some of you think, well, how can I have an abundant life? Can I, it's because you're thinking just one way, and that's wealth and glamour and all that stuff, which it's not all about that. I'm gonna, I read part of chapter 10 to you this morning. I want to finish it. I read through verse 13. I'm going to start in verse 10 again. It says, a thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I have come to give you everything in abundance more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. I am the good shepherd who lays down my life as a sacrifice for the sheep. But the worker who serves only for wages is not a real shepherd, 
because he has no heart for the sheep. He will run away and abandon them when he sees the wolf coming. And then the wolf mauls the sheep, drags them off, and scatters them. I want to say one thing about that. That's why sometimes there are people in leadership that we say, well, they turned bad. Well, they were bad from the get-go because they were a wolf in sheep's clothing. They tried to be sheep because they thought that it could bring them abundance in the wrong kind of way. And so we got to realize that. We got to realize there are still those wolves out there. There are still those out there that are trying to steal the sheep, trying to get control, trying to be in charge, just like the Pharisees, wanting to be the, the authority. And in verse 14, it says, I alone, and this is Jesus finishing out this thing and explaining it, I am. I alone am the good shepherd, and I know those hearts whose hearts are mine, for they recognize and they know me. They recognize me and they know me. Just as my Father knows my heart and, and I know my Father's heart, I am ready to give my life for the sheep. See, that's a true shepherd. He's ready to give everything that he has for the sheep. And I have other sheep that I will gather which are not of this Jewish flock. So he's really hitting them with a big one here. <laughs> There's more out there that aren't, and the Gentiles are going to be reached, and Paul and some of the other ones did that. They're going to reach that other, the ones who, who know me, who are going to be my sheep, who want to come. And I, their shepherd, must lead them too, and they will follow me and listen to my voice, and I will join them all into one flock with one shepherd. So it's not going to be two different sets. It's not going to be Jews and Greeks. He said eventually it's going to be just one. And there will be one, and there will be just one flock. There won't be a split flock or a separated flock or more than one. I surrender my own life, and no one has the power to take my life from me. I have the authority to lay it down and the power to take it back again. This is the destiny my Father has set before me. So he's letting them know really who he is. He's letting them know, I don't really care what y'all going to do to me or what you want to do to me because it doesn't matter. Because I make the choice. And in the end, Jesus made the choice. He said, I'm going to give my life. And he made that choice. And see, that's what being a shepherd is all about. That's what serving is all about. It's about putting others first. I want to read the next three verses. It says, this teaching set off another heated controversy among the Jewish leaders Many of them said, this man is, demon, is a demon-possessed lunatic. Why would anyone listen to a word he says? But then there were others who weren't so sure. His teaching is full of insight. These are not the ravings of a madman. How could a demonized man give sight to one born blind? You know, in, that, in, the, in the ninth chapter, whenever Jesus healed the blind man, the Pharisees went to his parents and said, did, was he really blind from birth? Is he really a blind man? And you know what his parents said? Go ask him. He's a grown man. He can answer for himself. Why are you coming to me? You know that upset him. So what is this abundant life all about? It's not about selfishness. It's not about us having everything and being rich and famous. It's about 
serving God. It's about being abundance to everybody else. It's about knowing how to walk through this life even though things don't look good. You're, you're, on the inside, you're full of abundance. You're full of joy. You're full of peace. You're full of happiness. You're full of love. And you're sharing that with everybody. So I'll ask you tonight, are you pursuing the abundant life? The real, true, abundant life? Are you pursuing that? Are you pursuing, are you living that life of abundance to where no matter what happens, you can experience peace and joy? And yes, there are some good things that come along with that, some physical perks. But I believe that God blesses you so that you can bless others. And I believe that it's not just about you. Yeah, he, want, he wants to meet your needs, and he will. So where are you at in that? Let's stand this morning. Where are you at in that? Where are you at in your striving with God? Where are you at in your walk with God? Are you walking in that abundant life? Are you walking where you need to be and, and not... You're not just pursuing something, but you're pursuing God. So I believe if you pursue God, then he'll give you what you need. He'll give you the things that you need. And he'll give you more than enough, as he said in his word, to share with others. So let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you this morning for your grace and your mercy. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your many blessings. And I thank you, Lord, that we can walk in abundance. And we do have the opportunity to live an abundant life. But, Lord, we just have to realize what abundance means. It means that we're walking full of joy, peace, happiness, love, patience, and kindness. And in that, Father God, we become who you've called us to be. It's the only way we can walk out what you've called us to be. It's the only way we can walk out our calling is to live that way. So, Father, I just pray for everybody in this room, everybody listening online. Father God, I just thank you, Lord, that we would all realize who you are, what you are, what you came here to do, and the abundant life that you have given us all. Thank you for that today, Lord. Thank you for that this morning, Lord. And that we might be able to share that with others and be more than what we thought we could be. Let's just put our failures and things that have happened behind us and go forward in you and walk in that abundance. We thank you and praise you and give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Hallelujah. All right, a couple quick announcements. This, this Wednesday night is our regular third Wednesday night fellowship dinner, so please if you haven't signed up, please do that um, before you leave. Also, today in the iKids room, we are having our um, first VBS meeting. If you're interested in supporting and helping with VBS, as soon as we wrap up and everybody has probably about 10 minutes from now, we'll meet over in the iKids room to discuss that. If you're look, if are we still online? Okay. Well, if you're, you're not listening, so I can't tell you. Um, if you know somebody who's not here who wants to sign up, 
uh, starting tomorrow, they can go to imagechurch.us to sign up to help and also to sign their child up to come to VPS. It is our um, monthly debt elimination offering. Please drop that as you leave. Everybody have a great week, and we'll see you Wednesday night.